Today I've got a message for you and I'm excited to share it. The message today is called, Don't Miss the Switch. Don't miss the switch. It's pretty obvious that things have changed. If I were to come today and say, hey guys, everything has changed. You'd be like, yeah, Captain Obvious, we get it. We know everything has changed. Our lives are being affected like never before. But sometimes life changes and when it's not obvious, we have to have the ability, the power of discernment to recognize when a season has shifted, when a time has changed, or else we will very often in our lives get seasonal envy. We will look at someone else and be jealous of where they are in their life because we are not in the same place. And we look around and we think we're around the same age, we've got the same background, same education. Why do they have something that we don't have? In the same way that many of us are looking around at our neighbors right now and like, man, I wish our landscaping was as nice as theirs. And I'm sure many of you have made that trip to Lowe's to get flowers or, you know, whatever. And you're trying to make things look nice around your home. And you've done it mainly because your neighbors did it. And theirs looks so good. Bless God, I can't lose to my neighbor. And so we're constantly trying to keep up. And we do the same thing that we do on our streets with our lives. We look around and we think just because it's spring in our neighbor's life, it's supposed to be spring in our life. Just because their flowers are growing, shouldn't my flowers be growing too? And we've got to make sure that we don't, we don't misunderstand natural seasons for spiritual seasons. Because God's timing in our life might be different than the timing in someone else's life. And I want to read to you today from Genesis chapter 1. I want to talk to you today about how God works in systems and seasons. And if we really are in tune with God's systems and seasons, then we won't have to struggle through life to make something happen. But we will, by result of being in His system and operating in seasons, be fruitful. Because our call is really not to be successful. Our calling is to be fruitful. And God wants us to have fruit that remains. Not fruit that we've made happen, but fruit that we have seen happen in our lives as the result of being connected to Him. The Bible teaches us that if we abide in Him and He in us, we will bear fruit. Fruit in its season. So do you recognize your season? Do you know when it is your season? When it isn't your season? Do you know when it's time for you to be fruitful? Do you know when it's time for you to lie dormant? Do you know when it's winter in life? Do you know when it's the summer of life? Are you able to recognize the signs and seasons? And let's, let's read about a God who operates in systems and seasons. Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 11. The Bible says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant. And trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening and morning passed, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. So we first we have systems, now we have seasons. Watch this, let lights appear. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on earth, and that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. 
He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the night, to govern the day, to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good and evening passed and morning came marking the fourth day. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would speak something powerful to us that would change our lives forever. We give you glory and honor today because your word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, div- it's dividing right now between bone and the marrow. It's, it's teaching us right and wrong. It's showing us the way in which we should go. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God has a strategy. God is not chaotic. The Bible teaches us that he is not the author of confusion, but he is a God of peace. He's not impulsive. He's not confused. He's methodical. He's meticulous. He is detailed. The Bible teaches us in Jeremiah that his thoughts are full of us. He's thinking about us and our purpose and his plan for our life constantly. He's moving things and putting them in order for us. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, he said that Jesus Christ was the eternal purpose of God. In other words, God has an eternal purpose and you are planted in the middle of God's eternal purpose. And that means that God has purpose for you. He's strategic. He's got a plan. And he uses systems and seasons. A couple weeks ago, I talked to you about God's plan. I want, to go, I want to go a little further because I want you to see how God's plan operates. I want you to see it's in systems and seasons. First of all, let's talk about systems. A system is something that is put in place to make sure an outcome happens consistently. So in other words, when God puts a system in place, this means in Genesis 1 and 11 when God says, He says, let trees sprout forth and then they will produce after their own kind. They will have a seed in them that will fall to the ground and another tree will be reproduced. Now watch, God doesn't come out every year from heaven and say, let there be trees. Let there be flowers. Let there be grass. You know, let there be light. No, God set it into motion. And when he set it into motion, he put in it the ability to reproduce itself. See, you can teach what you know but you only can reproduce who you are. So who you are is more important to God than what you're doing. You might have a job, but your job doesn't define you. You you might be married, but that doesn't define you. You might be a mom or dad, but that doesn't define you. Who you are in Christ is your definition. That's who you really are. And so God is more concerned about who you are than what you do. Are you hearing me today? You serve a God of systems and seasons. So a system is something that is set into motion to make sure the desired outcome keeps happening. So watch what God does. Trees sprout out of the ground. The seed is in the tree. Another tree can come out of the ground. And he takes that system and then he puts that system in seasons. The system now is a part of a season. So the tree doesn't tell the season when it wants to bear fruit. The grass doesn't tell the season when it wants to be green. Are you following me? The season determines the function of the tree. The season determines the color of the grass. The season determines what fruit comes out 
of the ground. The season makes that determination. So no matter if we serve, watch it. So if we serve a God who operates in systems and seasons, no matter how bad we want it to happen, if it's not our season, then it won't happen. So we have to more than anything, more than trusting God's nature, more than trusting in God's faithfulness, man, we have to trust in God's timing because God knows what is best and when it is best for us. Systems and seasons. Hmm. This is, this is powerful because a season lets you know when to do what. A season lets you know when it's time to plant. A season lets you know when it's time to harvest. A season lets you know when is the right thing to do what you are supposed to do. See, there are a lot of people frustrated because they're doing the right thing. They're just doing it in the wrong season. The Bible says in the Old Testament, it says, ask for rain in the time of the rain. A lot of people are asking for rain when it's not a rainy season. A lot of people are asking for fruit when it's not their fruitful season. And, and so much of our life's frustration is not believing that God is good, believing that God is faithful. It's trusting in God's timing. Hmm. And what happens with most people is when they experience this frustration, this frustration will make them do something that is very dangerous for your life. Frustration will make you uproot when you were supposed to stay. Sometimes we are frustrated and we think nothing is, nothing is changing, nothing is, nothing is moving, nothing is happening. And so we think that it, that means I'm supposed to move over here. I'm supposed to take another, I'm supposed to. And sometimes that's the case. But if we don't recognize the season, we'll uproot in our dormant season. And when our fruitful season comes around, we won't be there to reap what we were supposed to reap. Man, I feel like preaching today. I wish people were in this room today because I would take a lap around this place today. See, you only miss your season if you quit. You only miss what God has for you if you uproot. Galatians 6 and 9 says, do not grow weary in doing well. For in due season you will reap if you do not faint. I know there are a lot of people out there right now listening to me and you want to faint. You want to quit. You want to walk away. But I'm telling you, this is not the season to uproot yourself. This is the season to stay planted in the Lord, to stay planted in the house of God. And when due season comes, hallelujah, God is going to show you what you stayed planted for, what you stayed rooted for, what you stayed grounded you only miss your season if you uproot. Listen, failure can't keep you from it. <laughs> you cannot make enough mistakes to miss your season. The only way you miss your season is if you quit. I'm telling you today, lack cannot make you miss your season. Suffering cannot make you miss your season. Where you came from won't make you miss your season. Your education will not make you miss your season. The only way you miss your due season is if you're not there when your due season comes. There's a story in the New Testament of a man named Demas. And the Apostle Paul has finally found a way to use this man. And he, he wants to use him. And he, he calls for him. But the Bible says that Demas is nowhere to be found because Demas uprooted himself. And when it was his season to be used, the Bible says he was nowhere to be found. 
Come on, man, don't let that be said of me and you. Don't let that be said of us that when God came around to use us, that when God came around to bless us, that when God came around and put his hand on us, that we were not there. We were nowhere to be found. And I want to stay faithful because if I'll be faithful, I will be fruitful. You cannot separate faithfulness from fruitfulness. If I'll be faithful, I will be fruitful. Listen to me. The Bible teaches that one plants and another waters, but it's God who brings the increase. I'm telling you, if I will stay planted and I will keep being watered by his word, God will bring increase in my life. I just believe that because it's a principle that God's word consistently teaches that he's systems and he's seasons. He's systems and he's seasons. So the question is not, does God have something for you? The question is, will you be there when it comes knocking on your door? (laughs) Wow. Psalm 90 and 12, the apostle says, he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, he's telling us, hey, you're a seed planted in the ground, in the ground. You have a number of days. The Bible even teaches us that it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. The Bible teaches us that God has a calendar. That God doesn't just wake up and wing it every day. That God has a schedule. When the appointed time came, at the appointed time. You see it all through scripture. There's appointed times. You have an appointment. God has you on his calendar. Oh my goodness, this brings so much joy to my heart. It brings so much, so much freedom into my life because I know that I'm on God's schedule. He won't pass me by. He won't walk around me. He has a time appointed for me. He's got something for me. I'm, I'm so thankful that I serve a God who, who thinks about me this way and, and, and plans for me in this way. And he wants us in the same way he's got a calendar, in the same way he lives with strategy in mind. He operates methodically and he's meticulous in his detail. He wants us to be that way. And we should be that way because we're created in his image. It's who we are intended to be. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says this. It says, look carefully then how you live, how you walk. The Bible says, live purposefully. Man, Everybody ends up somewhere, but not everybody ends up there on purpose. I want to live my life with purpose. I don't want to live life, que sera, sera, whatever will be. No, man, I want to live with purpose. I want to live with purpose in mind. He says live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as unwise and witless, but as wise. That word just simply means sensible, intelligent. Making the very most of the time. And that means to buy up each opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil. (laughs) Speaking of days, the Bible tells us in Genesis something very interesting. After God does what he does each day, the Bible says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And the evening and the morning were the third Isn't it amazing? Watch this. Don't miss the switch. That every new day begins in the dark. Every new day begins in the dark. Could it be that you're walking into a new season 
and you are in the darkest moment of your life. Could it be that this is not just the end of a thing, but this is the beginning of a brand new day? Oh man, trust me, God is good and every perfect gift comes from above. So God did not send this disease to hurt people, but God will use this occurrence that is happening because the days are evil. He will use this. Oh man, he will use this to bring us into our appointed time. We are here for such a time as this. This is the moment we've been made for. That's why I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm, I'm heartbroken because of everything that's happening in the world, but I'm also, there's a part of me that's excited because I know that we were made for this moment. The church was made for this moment. You were made for this moment. This is why we exist. We don't exist for the easy stuff. Man, we exist for the hard stuff. We were made for this moment. I was created for this time, and so were you. And I want to encourage you, man, because, listen, the first thing we see God doing in the Bible is create. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First of all, notice, in the beginning, God. That gets me excited and makes me want to preach, man, because everything starts with God. He is the initiator of it all. And I'm thankful that if it starts with him, then it ends with him. If it begins with him, then it finishes with him. And that, that excites my soul this morning. So, so watch this. In the beginning, God created. The first thing we see God doing is create. And then when God creates us, the Bible says he makes us in his image. Isn't that amazing? He's made us in his image. That means if he's creative, then I'm creative. And you are creative. Wow. And that explains a lot. That explains why when God gives us something, he doesn't usually give it to us in its complete form. <laughs> oh man, this is particularly good for marriages. Because when you got married, <laughs> you didn't marry that person's complete form. <laughs> there, there, are, there are years left in their life and, and they are going to turn into something that they were not in the beginning. <laughs> Hopefully it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But I just want you to know that God never gives you something in its complete form. Wow. He gives you a marriage, but you've got to work on a relationship. Woo. He gives you, he gives you a, a job, but you've got to work on making the most of it. See, watch. When God gives you something, he usually doesn't give it to you in his complete form. So watch. If you ask God, if you ask God to bless you, <laughs> don't be surprised if God gives you a job and not a check. <laughs> Man. <laughs> don't be surprised if you ask God for, for an opportunity for, or for a promotion. Don't be surprised if he gives you an idea and not an office. Don't be surprised if you ask God for a house if he gives you a, a hammer and not a mortgage. I'm telling you, God gives you something usually in seed form so that you can create and make it into the thing it was intended to be. Man, th think about this for a second. The Bible says that, that he created the trees and in the tree was the seed. The seed goes into the ground and another tree comes forth. Watch, 
We want God to give us tables, but God gives us seeds. We want God to give us chairs, but God gives us seeds. We want God to give us money, but God gives us jobs. The Bible says it is him who works in you and gives you the power to be successful. God doesn't snap his finger and make you successful. He gives you the ability to get success. You have to, oh man, you have to create with what he has given you. So in other words, the seed turns into a tree. And what do we do? We make chairs, we make furniture, we make paper, we make pencils, we make houses. Why? Because we are created in his image. We create and he wants to work with us. Man, this is the plan of God. He's, he's a system and seasons God. Oh, man. So if God operates in systems and seasons, what do I need to do? I need to learn how to discern the season. I need to learn how to get myself in alignment with the system. The Bible has a system for financial blessing. Malachi says, you bring all your tithe into the storehouse and watch this. I will open up the window of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you don't have room enough to receive. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. The New Testament teaches us. God has a system. You can't plead for promises, break principles and expect godly outcomes. You can't plead, God, please make your promise come to pass. Violate his principles and expect godly outcomes. So what, what is God expecting of me? God's expecting you to get the wisdom to discern what he's doing in the earth. Man, this is, this is really good for us. So I need to what? I need to get wisdom. Let me give you Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. I want to show you something about wisdom that very often goes overlooked. Wisdom is something that we grow in. It's not necessarily something that, again, we are zapped with. It's something that we grow in. Watch this. Adam in the beginning, was handed authority. God said, here's authority. Name everything. Take care of everything. Here's authority. What did Adam do? He squandered his authority. Why? I believe he squandered it because it was given to him. He didn't grow into it. The Bible says about Jesus that he grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with man and with God. And what did Jesus do? Jesus maintained his authority through his entire life. And on the authority of his own words, he was raised from the dead. When he said, no man takes my life from me, I give it of myself and I take it back up of myself, resurrection was guaranteed. When those words came out of Jesus' mouth, when he said, you tear this temple down and in three days I'll resurrect it, his resurrection was guaranteed because whatever comes out of his mouth enters into the system and creates the season. I'm, I'm telling you God's word is power. That's why James tells us the power of life and death are in the tongue. 
And you've got to guard your words and you need wisdom so that you're speaking the right words, so you're saying the right things, so that you're not mishandling your authority, but you're growing into it so that you can maintain it. Think about the humility of Jesus. The one who created the people that he was learning from. He created them, but they're changing his diaper. He created them, but they're teaching him in school. He created them, but he's learning how to, how to, how to be a carpenter from his dad. He made him, but he's also being taught by them. The humility of Jesus. You've got to, to get wisdom, you've got to remain teachable. You've got to constantly be a student because it's the student that draws out the teacher. If you already think you know everything, then why would a teacher be attracted to you? The teacher would be attracted to the one who says, I, I need to learn. I, 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 need, I need to understand. I don't know. Help me. That's how I get wisdom. I'm not wise because I know everything. I'm wise because I know I don't know everything. That's what makes someone wise, is the, the seeking after. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Wow. Jesus was taught by his, not only his earthly father, but his heavenly father. Jesus said, anything I do is because I've seen him do it. Check out that connection, that timing connection. Jesus said, I'm step in step with the Father. I do what I see him do. I mimic his behavior. When he moves, I move. When he speaks, I speak. When he goes, I go. And that's how I want my life to be in tune with God the Father. To where I wouldn't do and act and move into any arena, into any area, into anything that he wouldn't want me to move into. I want to see him do it. How do, I, how do I see him do it? So first of all, I get wisdom, but how do I get wisdom? I get wisdom by remaining teachable. Secondly, I get wisdom by getting quiet. I must have a relationship with God to know what God is doing. Knowing God is the key to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. Knowing Him, having relationship with Him, talking with Him, seeing what He is doing. Do you know you have access to a relationship with God like that? You do. You have access to a relationship with God like that. But it requires you getting quiet. Jesus, man, Jesus had this relationship where he was pressed into the presence of God. He, he did not, he did not, even though he was God, consider himself as separate from God. Because they've always been one. He, he needed the fellowship of the Father. And he recognized that if I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, then I've got to know where I'm supposed to go. And the Bible teaches us constantly that, that, that in Luke chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus was surrounded by great crowds. And after he had healed everybody, the Bible says he, he would withdraw to a place and he would pray. Mark chapter 1 verse 35, it says that he would get up really early in the morning while it was still dark. Why? Because every new day begins in the dark. He departed and went out for a desolate place and there he prayed. 
And after he had taken leave of them, Mark 6 and 46 says, he went up to the mountain to pray. I think very often we get so overwhelmed in life because we try to do what Jesus did without doing what Jesus did. (laughs) I know that (laughs) might not make sense and that might not be really good English, but I'm I'm trying to express to you how sometimes we want to live in, in the miraculous. We want to do all of the stuff that Jesus did, but we don't want to do what Jesus did to do what Jesus did. Oh man, we want to have the results of Jesus, but we don't, have, we, want, we don't want the prayer life of Jesus. We want to have the results of the Son of God, but we don't want the relationship that Jesus had with the Father. And I'm telling you, you don't get the results if you don't have the relationship. You don't, you don't get to walk on water if you don't first walk up a mountain and pray. You don't get to heal the sick if you don't first find a desolate pray, place and fall on your face and fall on your knees and cry out to God. What you are in public is developed in the private times in your life. You can't do what Jesus did if you don't do what Jesus Jesus did. So I, I need quiet time with God. It's a necessity for my soul. It's a necessity for my for my ability to overcome. It's a necessity for my ability to stay sane in this crazy world. Jesus focused on the most important relationship in his life. He guarded it intentionally. And it was during these moments where Jesus was with the Father that he he got the courage and the strength to do what he did. No wonder he's able to sleep through storms while everybody else is panicking. Because he already knows what the Father is doing. He recognizes if God put me in this boat, He's got a purpose for me in this boat. And I'm not going to trip while I'm in this boat if things get out of hand. Because I'm in his hand. I'm in his will. I'm watching what he's doing. I'm walking step in step with him. I'm, I'm under his covering. I'm in his plan. I'm, I'm rooted in him. I am grounded in him. And my due season is coming. Don't miss the switch. Don't, don't be asleep when you're supposed to be awake. Jesus asked his disciples near the end of his life, he asked them, he said, why can't you just give me an hour to pray? The Bible says they are sleeping because of sorrow. They're sleeping when they should be awake. They couldn't sleep in the storm, but they should have been sleeping in the storm. They slept in the garden, but they should have been awake in the garden. If you're not discerning, if you don't have wisdom, if you're not getting quiet you won't know when you're supposed to sleep and when you're supposed to be awake. You, know, you won't know when you're supposed to observe and when you're supposed to go on the offensive. You got to get quiet before the Lord. You got to hear. You got to see what heaven is doing. You got to hear what heaven is, is saying to you. Man, the best way to know what to do is to know God. I'm going to say that again. The best way to know what to do is to know God. To know Him. So I need to get wisdom. How do I get it? I remain teachable. I get quiet. Third thing, I get relationships. I get right relationships. I need people in my life because I can't see everything. As much wisdom as God wants to give me, I just don't believe I have the full picture. As a matter of fact, if somebody ever tells you that they are the end-all, be-all when it comes to theology and doctrine, that that they have all of the answers, 
They are either the leader of a cult or on their way (laughs) to leading a cult. That's what a cult is. It's that we've got all the answers and everybody else is wrong. Listen to me today. Listen to me. Listen to me today. You need relationships. And not with people that are just like you. You need relationships with people that are different than you and unique from you because you need a unique perspective. You don't need a bunch of yes people in your life patting you on the back every time you do something because sometimes you do it wrong. You need somebody in your life that's going to look at you and say that was wrong. Who has the guts in your life to call you on the phone and call you out? And if you're offended at everybody who critiques you and everybody who has any criticism to offer you, you are not wise. You are wise in your own eyes, but you are not wise in the eyes of God. Wisdom in the eyes of God is able to see instruction. Listen, if somebody loves you and they offer instruction, man, you need to receive it. Now, I'm not telling you to everybody who comes in your life and tells you how you should act and how you should be, should you receive from them. But if somebody you know loves you and has your best interest in mind and they tell you you're wrong, maybe you are wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Man, over these past couple years, I've been back and forth over whether or not to build a new building. And man, I, I couldn't get any clarity. And you know, the, there were many of the leaders that, that were, were, pastor, do what's in your heart to do. There were some that were like, you know, be cautious. There were a couple that were like, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about going into a lot of debt right now. Can't get any clarity on that. Can't get any. And so I was listening to all of these these voices from people that love me and have my best interest in mind. And because of it, I felt like there was a lack of clarity. I felt like I was confused. But I was actually hearing from God. I was actually hearing from God because there's, 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 God wanted me to know that there were some things that I needed to go ahead and step forward with in my heart. But God also wanted me to be cautious about this building. And, and isn't it an amazing thing? What if we would have got into a giant building project? And now all of a sudden we have loaned millions of dollars and church stops and the finances drop and things like this begin to happen. And we're faced with a mortgage that now we're having to struggle to make that payment, struggle (laughs) to keep our staff paid, struggle to continue to help people in our community. Man, God helped me and God put people in my life that kept me from making a mistake. That doesn't mean that it's never God's plan for us to build a building. It's just that it wasn't the right season because God knew this was coming and he was preparing us for this season. And financially, we are in an incredible place where we can continue to help our community, continue to serve in our community, continue to pay our staff well and continue to do what God has called us to do without the burden of something that wasn't in season for us. Man, how about it? How about Joseph, who the Bible says he hears Pharaoh's dream. In Genesis chapter 41, the Bible says Joseph hears this dream from Pharaoh. And God speaks to Joseph. He's able to interpret the dream and know what to do with the dream. He says, so there's going to be seven years of plenty and then there's going to be seven years of famine. And while there is plenty, while the ground is working, we're going to work the ground. And we're going to get enough during seven years of plenty that we're going to have enough for seven years of famine. But watch this. Joseph doesn't get the dream. Pharaoh does. Joseph needed Pharaoh and Pharaoh needed Joseph. 
<laughs> How powerful is that? That even though Joseph was the man of God that God was using, Joseph didn't have the full picture without the dream. Hmm. I need somebody to hear this today. You cannot do this by yourself. If your opinion is the only one you're listening to, you are not operating within the systems and the seasons of God. And the reason you're missing so much is because you're not hearing the right voices. You're not seeking out godly counsel. You're making decisions based on your feelings. You're making decisions based on moments. You're making, you're making decisions based on emotion. God says, I want you to make decisions based on counsel. In the multitude, not of, not of a great service, not of an emotional encounter. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We do not build our lives on encounters with God. We build our lives on what God spoke in the encounter. God's word, that's what we build our life on. We build our life on his word, not on our experiences. Because our experiences will change. But his word never changes. His word is good in every single season. His principles last forever. Everything else fades but his word. Everything else fades but his counsel. Everything else fades but his wisdom. I'm telling you today, you need the right relationships in your life. Some of you, your next season is really truly your next relationship. Everything shifting and changing in your life is, is not really about some time. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's about some person. It's God connecting you with the voice that's going to give you full circle what you need to see. It's someone, maybe you have the interpretation, but someone else has the dream. So I'm praying right now that in this time, you would start to recognize more and more the God of systems and seasons. Maybe you're out there, you're listening to me today, and you say, Rob, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you're saying, man, I've been kind of doing my own thing, running around doing my own thing. I haven't really been focused on the Lord. And this thing has really got my attention and it's drawn my attention back to the Lord. I'm thankful that God can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it for good. And if he's dealing with your heart today and, and you're one of those people who would say, I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to come back to God. I need to make a new decision for the Lord. I need to recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you, if you were in this room today, we'd ask you to raise your hand or we'd ask you to stand up. But since you're online, why don't you go ahead and put a raised hand in the comment section, click the like button, send an email, let us know. You can actually text the word decision to 423-443-4339 and let us know you made a decision for Jesus today. We'd love to connect with you. We've got stuff we would love to get to you, a Bible, other material. We'd love to walk with you in this journey. We'd love to walk with you and help you in this decision you've made. Today's the day of salvation. If that's you, let's pray this prayer together before we close. Let's pray this prayer. Let's say this. Dear Jesus, thank you 
that you loved me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life today. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, listen, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know. We'd love to help you in your journey with Jesus. Calvary family, today, increase your awareness of God's system and God's seasons. Trust God's timing. Get wisdom. You need it. You need it to be able to discern what to do and when to do it. I love you. I'm praying for you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness to tune in. Thank you for your faithfulness to give. You're an incredible church. I'm so grateful. Again, we're going to be getting information to you very soon. We're going to open up very soon. And when we do, it's going to be a celebration like no other. I love you. God bless you.